Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Sam, a 32-year-old architect, was on her way back to her third trip to her gynecologist when she just had this realization that she couldn't keep treating her recurrent BV or bacterial vaginosis with yet another course of medications. She'd already gone through two rounds of topical treatment with Metrogel, and now she was on her second round of oral medication with metronidazole. She's just like, there has to be something I can do about this and some underlying reason that this is happening. Hearing about me from a friend, she made an appointment to come and see me and together we began to sort out what was going on, which for Sam included a recent new relationship that had her going out to dinner and drinking more than usual and having a lot of sex using a brand new condom company that she hadn't used before and lube. And all at the same time, she'd recently started a new job, which was really demanding and stressful, and activating her IBS, which she hadn't dealt with since college. And also this new job and stress was affecting her diet. She used to stop and really make herself breakfast, but now she was just so, you know, needing to prove herself and show up. And she was grabbing coffee and a muffin on most days. And she felt just not quite herself. So for Sam, we figured out what to do getting the sugar out, reducing the alcohol, telling her about a healthier condom and lube choice that she could use, resetting her gut health, and a non-antibiotic approach to getting rid of the infection that was recurring so that she didn't have to keep using antibiotic treatment. For Sam, it was a great turnaround. Within a week, the infection was gone, not to return, And on top of it, her IBS resolved. She felt a lot more energetic and clear than she had in a really long time. You know, the mainstay of conventional treatment for BV, like for so many things, is a medication. In this case, an antibiotic. But as you're going to learn in this podcast today, and as my patient Sam did, that is not a foolproof treatment. There's a high recurrence rate. And on top of that, conventional treatment actually carries some medical risks. Conventional antibiotic treatment for BV, in my opinion, is not a long-term solution. It's a Band-Aid, and albeit it's a sometimes necessary Band-Aid in the short run or in certain circumstances, it's not the answer to what's really going on. The medical community is just having the wrong conversation about bacterial vaginosis. BV is talked about as this It's just another isolated gynecologic problem and an isolated infection and not as the bigger reality of what it is, which is imbalances in the vaginal microbiome. And that can occur as a result of local challenges to the vaginal flora or because of system-wide imbalances in a woman's total health ecosystem. But BV is annoying, sometimes uncomfortable. For some women, the odor from the discharge can actually be embarrassing and make them really self-conscious. And BV also carries some risks. So what's a gal to do? The answer lies in understanding the underlying causes of BV, which is a disruption in the vaginal microbiome, 
and removing the triggers and causes of that. Now, in my recent episode of Vaginal Ecology, What You Need to Know to Keep Things Healthy Down There, and my blog of a similar title, I let you in on a little secret. I'm a vaginal ecologist, which doesn't mean I go around gathering samples or looking at vaginas with binoculars. What it means is that I study the impacts that determine the health of the diverse community of microorganisms that make up the vaginal flora and the total ecology of the vagina along with it, which happens to be attached to women. So we have to look at the total ecology of a woman's life. And that includes everything from her diet and stress levels to what goes in there from toxins in our tampons or who we're having sex with and what happens in the greater environment of our body. For example, antibiotics that we might use for a respiratory infection and how that later shows up in vaginal flora disruption or crazily the antibiotics that can be in our food system, which we're going to talk about and how that can impact our vaginal health. Okay, but wait, I know that you heard me say that this is not a condition that's caused by a single microorganism. So what is bacterial vaginosis anyway? BV is a term that actually refers to the overall imbalance in the vagina's own bacterial and other microbiome, yeast, viral, all that, communities in which the beneficial organisms aren't as robust and in great a volume as they need to be to protect the vagina. And that leads to an overgrowth of the less than desirable organisms, especially bacteria that live in there or that might get introduced, for example, through sex. So Gardnerella and Mycoplasma are a couple of these microorganisms that often are associated with BV. Now, BV has noticeable symptoms for many, many women, including a thin sort of grayish colored discharge, a strong unpleasant odor that's usually described as fishy, and vaginal itching or irritation. However, it can be asymptomatic until bigger problems crop up that get you to go in for a gyne exam and then bacterial vaginosis is discovered, like a threatened miscarriage or even pelvic infection. Now, almost 30% of women between the ages of 20 and 50, so in our childbearing years, have BV, or more accurately, as I prefer to say it, are in a state of BV. Because having BV sounds like it's just one infection, right? It's like you have a yeast infection or you have a UTI. But being in a state of BV means that you're in that state where you're, something's going on and the vaginal flora aren't quite in their normal balance. And enough women are having vaginal dysbiosis at any given time that their flora is significantly disrupted enough to cause symptoms or problems. Unfortunately, most doctors know surprisingly little about how to treat BV outside of just prescribing yet another antibiotic. And often antibiotics don't work, at least not for the long run, and that leads to multiple rounds of treatment. And that eventually reduces the overgrowth of the annoying bacteria, but with it can wipe out some of the good flora and definitely does not help to reset your healthy vaginal ecology. So you can end up with other problems. And again, this kind of recurrence that just doesn't really take care of itself. 
Now, BV definitely does need to be taken seriously. Disruptions in the natural ecology of the vagina change vaginal pH and vaginal mucosa. And the job of healthy vaginal pH and vaginal mucus is to protect us against other infections. BV has been statistically shown time and again to reduce our defense mechanisms and make us more susceptible to contracting other sexually transmitted infections, frighteningly including HIV. So BV is associated with a higher risk of contracting HIV if you get exposed to it. BV is also associated with abnormal pap smears, pelvic inflammatory disease, which can cause later fertility problems and ectopic pregnancies, and it's associated with something called endometritis, which is an inflammation in the lining of the uterus. Bacterial vaginosis can be especially dangerous for pregnant women who face increased risks of second trimester miscarriages or preterm labor. And then after giving birth, women with BV are at a greater risk for postpartum endometritis, which can be serious. So it's really important that if you're pregnant, that you get conventional treatment for BV, which that may actually be using an antibiotic. And we're going to talk about how to minimize risks with that. However, even if you are pregnant, all the lifestyle changes that I recommend in this podcast and in my blog on BV can be applied, and even some of the topical treatments can be done. Now, also, if you have persistent infection, even if you're not pregnant, if you have abdominal pain with BV, conventional care is the most appropriate for treating that acute infection. However, all of the preventative steps in this article apply and can help prevent recurrence, even if you have needed to treat it with an antibiotic for that, that round. So what causes BV? Well, BV is the result of disruption in the body's local vaginal flora or pH or the broader microbial ecosystem of your body, particularly your gut. It can be due to anything that changes the vaginal ecosystem or that changes your total body ecology. So common causes of both general and local ecosystem disruption include gut dysbiosis, which I talk about in other articles and other podcasts, high sugar diet, alcohol consumption, because alcohol is kind of high in sugar, or poorly controlled blood sugar. So if you have metabolic syndrome or diabetes, or you're eating a high sugar diet, this can all change the vaginal pH and also affect what's growing in there. Exposure to synthetic chemicals and fragrances can upset beneficial bacterial flora and the vaginal pH. Antibiotic use, whether topically or orally, so it can be antibiotic use for any infection. You have a UTI, you treat the UTI, and then shortly later you notice that you have a yeast infection, and then you treat the yeast infection, and then you notice you have BV. That's really common. Changes in vaginal pH and also what's the normal flora can actually shift with age so that, you know, you think you're finally in your late forties or early fifties and you're sort of out of the woods of getting these vaginal infections and boom, all of a sudden your estrogen's going down, your vaginal pH is changing. And now you're finding yourself having BV, which for women in the perimenopausal years often happens 
after sex for reasons that you're going to learn about in one second. And so sometimes perimenopausal women find that suddenly they have this new vaginal odor, they get tested, they've got BV, and it seems to always happen after sex. Now, why does sex cause BV? Well, for women in any age range, changes in the vaginal pH can happen as a result of exposure to either semen or saliva. So women in heterosexual and same-sex relationships are both equally susceptible and can also ping pong the infection back and forth between partners. So if you have the symptoms that I mentioned above, again, thin grayish vaginal discharge, vaginal discharge with a fishy or funky odor or vaginal itching and irritation with those other symptoms, it's actually important to get an accurate diagnosis. So that can be done by a midwife an APRN nurse practitioner, a doctor or other licensed practitioner who's able to do vaginal swab like a naturopath. And the reason it's important to get an accurate diagnosis is so that you can know if you have it, particularly if you are in an at-risk category like a pregnant mama. So you want to get checked out. BV diagnosis requires meeting three of the four criteria known as AMCELS criteria. And those get detected with a vaginal exam and a painless vaginal swab. Your practitioner just needs to get a swab of the vaginal fluids. And then what they're gonna look for is thin grayish colored discharge, because a healthy vaginal discharge is typically white and more thick. A vaginal pH greater than 4.5, something called the whiff test being positive, and that's actually, it is what it sounds like. You get a whiff of the discharge. And the presence of clue cells, which are specific kind of cells that show up with BV in the vaginal fluid. So that's done on clinical exam and microscopic right in the office. And if those three or four of those are the positive, then you can be diagnosed with BV. Now, Conventional treatment is typically prescribed at that time, either topical metronidazole, which is called metrogel, metronidazole orally, or an antibiotic called clindamycin. And those, particularly the oral metronidazole, do carry some risk. So sometimes it's necessary to do it if the infection is a runaway infection, you know, you've got pretty serious symptoms or you're pregnant or you're just incredibly uncomfortable and it's been going on for a while and you're finally getting a diagnosis. But it is important to know that metronidazole, for example, can cause disturbances in your gut, including diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, or abdominal pain. And those disturbances in the gut that cause diarrhea are due to knocking out some of the good flora. So again, BV can be a result of disruptions in the gut flora then the antibiotic knocks out more gut flora, and that's part of why you can end up with a cyclic problem. Metronidazole taken orally can cause an inflamed and sore mouth, loss of appetite, severe swelling of the lips, face, or tongue, a condition called angioedema, drowsiness, dizziness, headache, shaky movements, and an unsteady walk called ataxia, skin rashes or itching, pain in your muscles or joints, darkening of your urine, because it's changing kidney function a little bit, visual disturbances, confusion, depression, hallucinations, liver disorders, nervous system disorders called peripheral neuropathy, 
decreases in the number of your white blood cells called leukopenia and seizures. Okay, so this is pretty serious stuff, which is why I really want to help you avoid one course of oral antibiotics after another. But as I mentioned, sometimes it's necessary. So if you're using an antibiotic, I always recommend trying a topical treatment first. So topical is Metrogel. And the reason for that is that it avoids first phase liver, it avoids liver detoxification. Basically, it's not going through your circulatory system into your liver and having to be metabolized by first and second phase liver detoxification. It's just affecting things locally. Now, the problem is metronidazole, which has an 80% cure rate within four weeks, so it's using it pretty recurrently. That's pretty good, 80%, but it's not great. And the recurrence rate is really high. Anywhere from 15 to 50% of women who treat BV with metronidazole, whether orally or topically, experience a return of symptoms in three months. Again, it's because we're not getting to the root cause. We're just treating that symptomatically with an antibiotic that kind of kills out the overgrowth, but isn't doing anything to reset the flora or shift what was causing the imbalance of the flora in the first place. Now, one theory about why the recurrence rate is so high is that after a course of antibiotics, you've killed some of the good bacteria along with the bad bacteria, but you haven't done anything to recolonize the really beneficial flora that you need. And what happens is when you have a reduction in the good flora, the less beneficial flora that may be inhabiting the vagina already or ones that get introduced, for example, through sex, grow out of control. And even if you kill those off, they just grow back. It's not like the good ones necessarily start to proliferate on their own and say, hey guys, we're taking back the sandbox here. So what you have to do is get rid of the overgrowth, grow back the good ones, reintroduce those, and shift whatever caused those good ones to go down in the first place or the unhelpful ones to overgrow in the first place. Now, in my practice, I always go to the natural treatments first. Unless a woman is pregnant or experiencing symptoms of BV complications like abdominal pain or, or pelvic infection, in which case I try to use the Metrogel first if there's systemic infection that may need to be treated with oral antibiotics. But what I have found is that the natural treatments, even though there aren't really solid studies behind them, I've been using them for 35 years as a midwife and now as an MD, do require more work than just filling a prescription, but in the long run, give you less likelihood of recurrence. And you're shifting things that are not only leading to disruption in the vaginal flora, but maybe affecting your health in general. So like my patient, Sam, not only did her BV clear up, but her IBS went away again. She had more energy, et cetera. So what I want to share with you are the eight top things that I do in my practice with my patients, seven of them are lifestyle changes, and one of them is how to actually treat BV infections. If it's a common BV infection and you aren't pregnant or having any of the other more severe symptoms I talked about, it's really reasonable to try that and try it for a few days. 
What you should see is over a course of a few days with the treatment approach, symptoms start to go down. Then you keep treating for a week and hopefully symptoms go away completely. And then if you need to treat once more for about a week, if symptoms start to creep back, then you haven't fully gotten rid of the overgrowth of the less beneficial flora and reconstituted the good flora, you might need to go at it for a little longer. The seven, the seven sort of preventative strategies are really a healthy way to approach vaginal ecology in general. So whether you're having recurrent BV or yeast infections um, or just irritation, inflammation, et cetera, it can really help you to get out of that pattern. So here are the key steps for restoring your vaginal ecology. One is to balance your blood sugar. So trouble making gut and vaginal microorganisms thrive on sugar. So keeping sugar intake low and blood sugar balanced are two of the best things you can do to support whole body ecology and your vaginal ecology. Keeping blood sugar balanced means not skipping meals, not eating things that have empty calories like sugary foods or you know highly refined carbs baked goods, pastas, things like that, that are quick energy, but don't really fill you up with nutrients or sustained energy. What does are high protein foods and good quality fats. So to balance blood sugar, some of the best things you can do are eat within an hour of waking up. And then for each meal that you have, make sure that you're eating high quality protein, good quality fat, and then optimally some vegetables. So most of us aren't getting the eight to 10 servings of vegetables a day that we really need for optimal nutrient intake and having optimal nutrient intake is also important for balancing blood sugar. Even natural sugars can start to add up. So that little dollop of honey in your morning chai tea or the sweetened almond milk or the dash of maple syrup on your mashed sweet potatoes, all of these can cause blood sugar spikes, particularly in women who are susceptible or aren't otherwise keeping up with the good protein and the good fats at the same time. Also, and we saw this with my patient Sam, the sugar in alcohol is a major trigger for imbalances in the vaginal flora, which is why I see a lot more women in my practice for yeast infections after, for example, Thanksgiving or Christmas holidays and New Year's where everyone's eating a little more sugar and having a little more alcohol. So if you're working to prevent or treat BV, and especially if you struggle with persistent BV, watch the amount of sugars you're eating, both added and natural. And also really it's ideal to just avoid alcohol entirely while you're in the treatment phase and to keep it from recurring. And then just try to keep alcohol to small amounts And if you're generally susceptible, kind of keep the sugar and the alcohol out for a while until you're out of the pattern of recurrence for at least three, ideally six months. The next step is to heal your gut and bring in the good organisms. So gut flora imbalance called intestinal dysbiosis is a really common root cause of so many chronic conditions in general, but with that also chronic or recurrent vaginal infections, including BV, but also yeast infections. So rebalancing your gut flora can go a long way to preventing and halting recurrent vaginal infections. The 4R protocol, which I have a link to for you, 
in the space below this podcast. I'm also giving you a link to the sign up page, the waiting list for my 28 day gut reset challenge. And also to my book, The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution, because all of those are excellent resources. And depending on how much support you need, really can give you a great gut reset. So check those resources out. And I really highly recommend you either do the program in the Adrenal Thyroid Revolution or the 28-Day Challenge when there is recurrent BV or any recurrent vaginal infections. And particularly as you saw in Sam, she had IBS, but if you're struggling with IBS, chronic constipation, Crohn's disease, or ulcerative colitis, all of these are either signs of or contributors to gut imbalances. So if you're struggling with any of those and you have recurrent BV or recurrent vaginal infections in general, healing your gut is so critically important. Now, repopulating both your gut and your vagina with good organisms is key to kicking the BV problem. And how can you do that? Well, the best way is to take a high quality daily probiotic, specifically one that contains two strains of lactobacillus. One is called lactobacillus ruteri, and the other one is called lactobacillus rhamnosus, both of which are especially vagina friendly. Now you can find options for those probiotics in my online dispensary, and there's a link to that below the podcast. There's absolutely no obligation to purchase from there. You can just have a peek at what I use in my practice. And um, there are a couple of brands that I also like. One is called Vitanica, and they have a probiotic that contains L-Ramnosis and L-Ruteri called Fem Ecology. And I also like one called Proflora, Women's Proflora by Integrative Therapeutics. I don't have any relationship economically at all, no conflict of interest with either of those brands. And I know that finding a good brand is such a big struggle for so many of you. And I know that when I do mention the brands that I like, so many of you write me with thank yous for that. So I'm not endorsing those particularly. Again, I have no economic relationship, but I know it makes it a lot easier for you. Um, You can order those online or again, check out my online dispensary where there's also often a really great discount that makes it a lot less expensive than getting things through Amazon and certainly through Whole Foods or other retail distribution. My goal is to make health as easy, affordable, and accessible for you as possible. So I just make that available and you can use it if you want to. Now, You're going to learn in just a minute that using probiotics vaginally can also be a really helpful way to restore vaginal flora, but this is oral use every day, one or two capsules. Usually during treatment phase, I recommend using two capsules orally, and then during prevention to prevent recurrence, one capsule orally. And stay on the probiotic orally and and even vaginally, if you like, for at least three months after the last treatment, because you want to make sure if you're somebody who tends to have recurrence that you don't. And then of course, it's super important to get our nutrients from our diet and probiotic foods like sauerkraut and other lacto-fermented vegetables, kimchi, miso, and live active culture yogurt are a great way to get probiotics into your diet. But for BV and for 
really treatment and prevention if you're susceptible to having it. You've had it in the past. You've had recurrences. The probiotic supplement becomes really helpful. Now, practicing healthy sex is the third step of the eight that I mentioned. And if you have sex with men, please know that penises carry their own bacteria that can disrupt vaginal ecology. Semen also changes the pH of the vagina, creating a ripe environment for BV. Condoms have been proven to help prevent BV. So even if you've got your birth control completely covered otherwise, getting your guy to wrap it up can go a long way to protect you from infection and reinfection. The good and amusing news is that some experts suspect that the vaginal microbiome can adapt to the bacteria on familiar penises. So if you're in a long, longer-term relationship and you're having sex without a condom, you might adapt over time. But in that new relationship like Sam was in, sometimes that ups the chance of getting an infection. And also some condoms and lubes also change the vaginal flora and introduce chemicals that can also increase the risk of BV. So I recommend a company called Sustain. I am a consultant for Sustain, but I don't make any money for mentioning Sustain. I'm a medical consultant for them. I really think it's a great company, which is why when they asked me if I would come on and be a spokesperson for them, I absolutely said yes. You can learn more about Sustain and their founder, Mika Hollander, in another podcast in which I interviewed her. And I've put that link below this podcast for you as well. When there's a new penis in the neighborhood, so to speak, the vagina will actually mount an immune defense that triggers inflammation in some cases. And that acts as another whammy that even further increases vaginal changes that increase BV. So that's yet another reason to think about using a condom in new relationships or in any relationship, even if it's a long-term relationship. Look, our vaginal flora and our vaginal ecology change at different times in our life cycle. So like I mentioned, women in their perimenopausal or menopausal years who have been in long-term relationships, they're not cycling anymore and they're not even concerned about getting pregnant anymore if they're menopausal, suddenly find themselves having BV. I just say, you know what? Use a condom. It's convenient. And whatever's going on between your person's pH and your pH may just be a little bit off at the time and it can really help reduce BV. Now, same-sex lovers aren't out of the woods. Oral sex can trigger BV because the pH in the mouth is quite different than the pH in the vagina. Research suggests that rates of BV are significantly higher, actually, amongst women who have sex with women. So it's important to be aware of BV no matter what your gender of your partner is. And if you're wrestling with persistent BV, it can actually be helpful to take a little sex hiatus for a couple of few weeks while you get your vaginal flora back on track. Last word about that is sex toys are thought to be yet another cause of recurrent BV. So one, depending on what the material is or whether you're using lubes, that can increase your risk. But also, if they're not cleaned regularly, if you're sharing them with a partner, you can be passing BV back and forth 
or back to yourself. So if it's a material that's appropriate, a regular dip in boiling water may be helpful. And don't share your sex toys with your partner if you've been ping-ponging BV back and forth. So changes, again, it's not that you're ping-ponging the actual organisms necessarily, but whatever organisms you are ping-ponging back and forth may be changing the vaginal flora as the vagina is trying to respond to those, and that's lending itself to changes that contribute to BV. All right, point number four is that your vagina is self-cleaning. Don't douche. Douches should be avoided at all costs, and even natural ingredient ones, they disrupt the natural vaginal ecology. Regular douching, even with natural products, has been shown to double the risks of developing vaginitis. Along with that, avoid all scented products down there. That includes soaps with scents, toilet paper, and menstrual products. The fragrances in those products are extremely detrimental to vaginal ecology and can do a number that totally triggers bacterial vaginosis and makes it really hard to keep it at bay. Along with that, point number five is that you want to go green with your period products. If BV is a persistent problem, particularly after your period, and you use menstrual pads, change your pads more often and try switching to tampons or consider using a reusable menstrual cup, which is less likely to harbor the kind of like keep all that moisture there um, like a pad does or cause local irritation like a tampon does. So that may be a helpful alternative for you. Also, beware that the toxins in conventional menstrual products, tampons and pads, can also alter the vaginal pH and cause inflammation. And they do get absorbed systemically too. So opt for organic pads and tampons only. I've used them for three and a half decades now. I initially only used cotton reusable, you know, washable pads. But then as my life got busier with medical training and even going to births as a midwife, it's not really that convenient to take your cotton pad off, throw it in a plastic bag or cloth bag and store that in your bag, especially if you're gone for a couple of days. Not so great, gets a little funky. So I ultimately found myself finding it more convenient, especially when I'm out in the world, to use tampons and pads. I prefer pads personally. I find them more comfortable, but strictly organic. And I'm going to write more about that. There's going to be a whole bunch on that in my book coming out in 2019, The Hidden Hormone Epidemic. And yeah, they might be a little more expensive, but I have to say this is definitely one area where it's so important to spend the money. Now, there are some incredible activists working on reducing and removing tampon taxes, as it's called, reducing the tax on menstrual products, which have historically been considered luxury products. Like, yeah, right, ladies, we all know how much of a luxury it is to sit on a pad for three or four days um, or wear a tampon. But right now, you know, there's a lot of controversy around it. A lot of doctors will say, yeah, it's ridiculous to use organic pads or, or tampons. Who needs to spend the money on that? But the reality is the studies are there. And we use something like, I think Mika Hollander in my podcast interview with her said something, we use like 10,000 tampons in the course of our life. If we use tampons, that's a lot of exposure to bleaches and other chemicals that come in these products that are getting exposed to 
the most highly absorptive or some of the most highly absorptive tissue in our body, our vaginal tissue. So I really consider your vagina worth the extra money and I hope you will too. All right, point number six, sad but true. If you love them, you do have to say goodbye to thongs if you're getting BV. If you've ever worn a thong, and I have, you know that for, at least for me, I won't speak for you, but it can really start to feel like a tightrope or some dental floss going on down there. I don't find that particularly comfortable, but that uncomfortable feeling isn't the only problem with this sexy form of underwear. Because those thongs are inevitably riding up, let's say, bacteria from your behind can use that thin strip of fabric as a literal tightrope to travel to the vagina. So what happens is those bacteria start to cause the vagina to get reactive, and that can change the vaginal environment and again, make you more susceptible to BV. So instead, wear boy shorts or briefs or bikinis, all of which are way more sexy when you think about it than a tightrope. And, you know, I think all this stuff is really important to talk with your teenage daughters about, especially if they're getting infections or, you know, ask them, share this information, maybe share the the article with them that accompanies this podcast or let them listen to the podcast together or not together, whichever you're more comfortable with so that we can help prevent them from getting exposed to a higher risk of uh, need for antibiotics because of an infection like BV or like vaginal change like BV that leads to this overgrowth of these organisms. And whatever underwear you do use, um, by the way, make sure that it has a cotton crotch because that's more breathable and more breathable means healthier environment down there. All right, point number seven is take antibiotics only when necessary. Of course, antibiotics save lives, but to be sure, up to 70% of the antibiotics prescribed in the U.S. are unnecessary. And the reality is, is that All this overuse of antibiotics has caused so much antibiotic resistance that antibiotics can't even always save lives anymore because we've run out of some of the antibiotics that treat certain microorganisms. So it's really our social responsibility to not use antibiotics without really making sure that they're needed. So consult with your healthcare provider really carefully anytime you're considering taking an antibiotic And feel free, unless it's a medical emergency, of course, to be questioning about whether they're really necessary. When an antibiotic is necessary, please take a high-quality probiotic every day for up to three months afterward. The ones I've mentioned can be used with the rhamnosus and the ruteri, or take a more broad-spectrum one, if you will, that also has lots of lactobacillus species, lots of bifidobacterium. I use, in my medical practice, the Claire Therbiotic Complete. Again, you can look on the formulary, my dispensary, to see what I use. And you can either find one of those independently, get them from there, or at least look at the ingredients and find one that has similar species and colony forming units. So you want to really use at least 15 billion colony forming units a day. Now, another crazy thing that I mentioned early in this podcast with you is that our food chain can be a source of antibiotics and up to 80% of all the antibiotics being used in the United States are going into our meat. 
And that has been associated with a variety of resistant infections in humans, including really resistant E. coli urinary tract infections in women. So if you're taking antibiotics for urinary tract infections that are happening recurrently, and then you find yourself with BV, you are now getting like a multiple whammy and your urinary tract infection could be happening for a number of reasons. And really all of the things that I've talked about with gut health and overall healthy vaginal and body ecology can also be factors contributing to urinary tract infections. But interestingly, meat eating, particularly poultry, has been associated with these increased urinary tract infections. So if you're struggling with BV that just won't go away, even with antibiotic treatment, or it goes away and it comes back, or if you're struggling with recurrent UTIs, consider taking meat out of your diet for a little while or going organic with your meat, dairy, and poultry for three months and see if that helps as part of your overall treatment plan and prevention plan. Okay, finally, if you do have BV, consider treating naturally. So in addition to all of the important steps for prevention that I've just shared with you, the plan I'm about to mention can help to stop a BV infection or BV status in its tracks. It's easy to call it a BV infection, but really that's sort of that catch-all term for vaginal dysbiosis. So what we're really talking about is how to get those organisms under control that are growing out of control and how to restore your healthy vaginal flora. Now, I just want to remind you, if you're pregnant, if you're within a few months postpartum, if you're having persistent BV infection, or if it doesn't clear up within a few days of the natural treatment I'm about to share, or if at any time you develop abdominal pain, fever, or other symptoms, it is really important to just bite the bullet, do the antibiotic, and then after that, do these eight steps to make sure that you're preventing recurrence and getting your vaginal flora really healthy. So there are, and before I, I share these tips with you, please know that you can head on over to the blog about treating BV naturally and read all of this information. And you can head over to the blog for a free download. You just opt in for the free download. There's no obligation with it of a summary sheet that gives you these seven tips plus number eight, which is the active BV treatment strategy. So there are a variety of, of botanical interventions and probiotic interventions that I use in my practice against BV. And what I'm about to share with you is my daily protocol. You want to see symptoms start to go away within about three days, but you want to continue to follow the whole protocol for a week to really make sure that you're getting, you know, nipping it in the bud. And during this week, definitely avoid all forms of sex to really let that vaginal flora settle down, the pH reestablish, et cetera. So you want to make sure as number one, that you're getting a multivitamin or supplementing with 30 milligrams of zinc, 400 units of vitamin E, up to 10,000 units of vitamin A, except if you're pregnant, don't supplement with vitamin A, only use what's in your prenatal vitamin. And you want, to get the, you want to get rich sources of those nutrients in your diet, but while you're treating and while you're preventing recurrence, you want to make sure that your multi has those or you're supplementing those to that amount 
in addition to your multi. These nutrients are especially important for healing the vaginal tissue and helping to restore the vaginal tissue health that's been irritated and inflamed by the BV situation. Number two is each morning, insert one capsule of women's proflora, the probiotic, that's by Integrative Therapeutics, or Vitanica Fem Ecology, which is a probiotic that contains L-Ramnosus and L-Ruteri. And if you don't want to use those, just make sure that you get a probiotic that has those two organisms in it. Now, you can also treat BV using an internal yogurt application. You either get live active culture on your fingers, make sure it's room temperature because cold is no fun, and kind of insert it up into your vaginal canal using two fingers. Or you can get an applicator from a pharmacy, empty it out, and use the yogurt. Now, it's widely disputed whether yogurt actually makes a difference. But one study did find that 88% of women who applied a live active culture yogurt internally to the vagina twice a day for a minimum of seven days actually maintained, uh, remained BV free for two months after the study. In my practice, I find that a combination of vaginal and I'm going to, and oral, and I'm going to talk about the oral in a minute, probiotic use is a lot easier and really effective. So I absolutely these days pretty much just go right to the probiotic rather than the yogurt. But if you're traveling or you're in a pinch, you know, it's nighttime, you notice these symptoms, you aren't going to get to the, you know, get in for a doctor's appointment for a few days, and you have yogurt at home that's live active culture, unsweetened, unflavored, you can certainly start to try that first. In addition, step three is to take one capsule of, actually, if it's treatment, you're taking two capsules a day of the probiotics that I mentioned, or for prevention, one capsule a day. And then finally, each evening, you use a different vaginal suppository. So in the morning, you're using the probiotic capsule as a suppository. In the evening, you're using a suppository that contains either golden seal or a combination of golden seal and essential oils, which act as antimicrobials. And in the suppository recipe that I'm giving you, there are also a number of herbal ingredients that help to heal and restore the integrity of the vaginal lining. So if there's been irritation and inflammation from the changes that led to BV and from the BV situation itself, you start to get reduced inflammation and it allows the vaginal tissue to heal, which also helps kind of create a healthy soil for the healthy microorganisms to grow back into. So if you want to use a suppository, the only one that I know of on the market that really um, may be helpful for BV is one by Vitanica called Yeast Arrest. I've given you the link to that below. And that contains golden seal, it contains some homeopathic ingredients, and it contains some borax, which can be burning. So if you find you use that one and it's and it's burning, it might not be the right one for you. Now, I recommend a suppository that you can make at home, but you do have to go through the effort of ordering the herbs and being a little crafty in how to do it. It contains cocoa butter, coconut oil, a very healing herb called calendula. It contains thyme, lavender, and tea tree essential oils. 
It contains a healing herb called comfrey and it contains golden seal. And what I've done is in the blog that relates to this podcast, I've given you the instructions for how to make it and how to even make your own suppository mold at home. And below you'll also find, and that's also on the free downloadable that you can get. And then below, as I said, you'll find the link to the Vitanica suppository product. So the key to successful natural treatment of BV, it's remembering that your optimal vaginal ecology depends on your optimal whole body ecology. So focus on nutrition, balanced blood sugar, gut health, and vaginal health, and your vagina, your vaginal ecology will get restored and it will thank you. I hope you have found this really helpful. If you have, or you know somebody who who will, please share it. And also please hop on over to the comments section on iTunes where you can write a review because your review makes sure that other women get this podcast. And in doing so, you are helping to do your part to help other women be healthy and happy and also reduce the global problem of antibiotic overuse. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next week on Natural MD Radio. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.